Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 298. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today I am speaking with the man, the myth, the legend, the author of Getting Things Done, David Allen. And before I tell you more about David, I first have to confess something. I was leading a very charmed and relaxing morning. Uh, when I interviewed David Allen. I got up before the sunrise. I meditated for five to 10 minutes. I worked out. I took my dog on a brisk walk in the park. I was listening to my latest uh, book on Audible. And I was like, wow, I'm really crushing my morning routine right now. When I got a panicked text message <laughs> from Kirby saying, Emily, where are you? David Allen is waiting for you on the podcast recording line. And I completely panicked. So pro tip, when you're recording a podcast with one of the world's leading scholars about time management, try not to completely bungle the timing of your podcast recording. David was very gracious about my egregious delay. I had completely spaced on the rare 8 a.m. interview that I had, thinking it was a 9 a.m. interview and just totally mistaking it in my head. Uh, and luckily, we were able to salvage things thanks to David's good graces and patience with me. And the interview came out great, but you're going to hear a very flustered version of me. Frankly, the entire time I'm interviewing this gentleman, I was embarrassed and a little unprepared uh, in more ways than one, just like completely flustered with, wow, the irony of being late for the time management expert. So if, if you think I sound a little off my game in this episode, that might be partly why. Now, the flip side of that in addition to David Allen being extremely cool and very gracious and very compassionate with this whole situation, um, it also kind of led us down some very unexpected conversation trails. Like, he and I could clearly have um, a deeper, longer philosophical <laughs> debate about life and productivity and time management than we even have time for on today's longer than usual, somewhat disjointed <laughs> podcast interview. Um, I tell you this, not because I had to, right? I could have fudged it and been like, oh, this is fine. Let's just edit out the parts where I sound completely stupid and ill-equipped. Uh, but I tell you all this to remind us that as we are navigating this whole new year kind of new attitude, pump up productivity vibe of January, we have to keep it real with ourselves. We are not perfect beings. I am far from perfect. I am learning more each day. 
and even uh even, you know, the supposed experts amongst us are flawed individuals. So we, we have to be willing to proceed in trying new things, especially at the start of a new year, and trying to maximize ourselves and our productivity and our lifestyle and our happiness, hopefully, uh, with a little bit of a chuckle and some self-compassion because <laughs> you're not going to get it right all the time. I sure as hell don't. And uh, I hope you enjoy today's illustration of just that. And before we jump into conversation, let me tell you a little bit about what a badass David Allen is and why it's even more embarrassing that I was so off my game during this interview recording. David Allen is widely recognized as the world's leading expert on personal and organizational productivity. His 30-year pioneering research and coaching to corporate managers and CEOs of some of America's most prestigious corporations and institutions has earned him Forbes' recognition as one of the top five executive coaches in the U.S. and Business 2.0 Magazine's inclusion in their list of 50 who matter now. Time Magazine called his flagship book, Getting Things Done, which we'll talk more about today, quote, the definitive business self-help book of the decade. And Fast Company called David one of the world's most influential thinkers in the arena of personal productivity. He is the author of multiple international best-selling books, including Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity, Ready for Anything, 52 Productivity Principles for Work and Life, and Making It All Work, Winning at the Game of Work and the Business of Life. He's the engineer of GTD, the popular Getting Things Done methodology that has showed millions how to transform a fast-paced, overwhelming, overcommitted life into one that is balanced, integrated, relaxed, and has more successful outcomes. And that is what David Allen is here to talk with me about today. David, welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. Uh, Emily, delighted to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So I've been a longtime fan of your book, Getting Things Done, which I feel like the whole GTD following has a bit of a culty appeal. Is that, uh, would you take that as a compliment or does that make you uh, chafe a little bit to hear that? Yeah, both. <laughs> it, it, it's a compliment, sure. Well, any, as soon as you experience, as soon as anybody experiences anything that's transformative for them, almost by by nature, you want to share it. And so, people who kind of get this go, oh, "You got to get this. You got to get this." And this it becomes this sort of spin around this. And yeah, that that's fine. I understand that. But you know, the Girl Scouts is a cult. Uh, <laughs> you know, anything, anything where you have a lot of people that sort of share and values and say, yeah, we're sort of dedicated to this stuff. But it's, it's true, this methodology, when people get it, and you, you have to actually engage with it to get it. You can sort of understand it cognitively, and you and I will probably chat about that, you know, in a, in a brief way. But once you actually start to experience it, you go, wow. This uncorked energy. Where did this come from? Isn't that cool? Absolutely. And then you just want to do a lot of creative things and you can't kind of can't help sharing it with other people. Yeah. And I love the subtitle of getting things done, the art of stress-free productivity. And I think here at Bossed Up, we always say that we want to set ourselves up for sustainable success. Uh, mm -hmm. and I wonder how did you first start pursuing this question around stress-free productivity? How did you come to this? Uh, we, don't, we don't have the time to, <laughs> to expand on that. You know, so I'll give you try the freeze-dried version. Sure. Of it. I, I dropped out of graduate school to explore myself and God, truth, and the universe. 
And, uh, but I had to pay the rent. So I wound up helping a lot of friends start their own businesses, became a good number two guy, discovered they actually pay people to do that. You know, consultant, couldn't spell it. Now I are one, hung out my shingle. And then I looked for models. How do I help somebody? If they ask me to come help them, how do I, you know, pull something out of my pocket that I can trust? I can use this model to, to improve their condition, no matter what it was. So I got on a search for that and those things for myself personally, as my life got more complex and busy and whatever. And, you know, then I like clear space. So another, another uh, critical vector here is I got very much attracted to clear space, both in my meditation and spiritual practices, got a black belt in karate and the martial arts in my twenties and discovered how practical it was to have a clear head, to not be distracted. So you could be present with what you were doing, especially if it required huge amount of attention and focus. So I had that as a sort of internal standard while I was looking for these other models. And it turned out I began to combine all of those. What are the things that you could learn to do that keep your head clear as your life is busier and more complex? And I didn't wake up one morning, Emily, with some grand epiphany about all this stuff. This is a long string of epiphanets that sort of happened, you know, probably over the, last, over the next four or five years. But I had some great mentors that taught me pieces of this. And then I began to integrate it all together. Then somebody in the big corporate world showed up and said, gee, David, we need this, we need this kind of behavior uh, result, like more stability, more control, more focus, more space to focus on the most strategic or meaningful things. You know, can you design some sort of training model around this that we could then reach a lot of people instead of one-on-one? So that's what I did. I designed a, a pilot program for a thousand executives and managers. Uh, and, and it was a huge success. This is Lockheed, 1983, 84. And so I found myself thrust into the corporate training world. Could have fooled me. I was an American (laughs) intellectual history major in Berkeley in 68. But it turns out that that was the audience that was most attracted to what it is that I had uncovered and, and most needed it. Uh, especially as the world was starting to become faster, it was starting to become digital, uh, things were coming at people with a huge, with, with a, a, an increase in velocity and volume. And so, you know, that, that turned out to be the world that I took this stuff into. And then it took me about 20, 20 years to figure out, Emily, what I'd figured out and that it was unique and nobody else had done that. Right, right. So th- then, I, then I wrote the book. That's fantastic. But come on, l- l- let me confess, I've never had any formal or traditional education in business psychology or time management. Well, that makes me feel better because we're in the same boat there. And I think ch- chasing a question as a form of a career path is a very intriguing and exciting uh, option, I-, I think, especially as someone with a liberal arts education myself that uh, resonates deeply with me and my political science degree from Brown mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. So... I guess my qu- wow, you were you were you were in, how how early were you in, in terms of ladies in brown? And, Not and, that early. Yeah. Um, I oh, okay. I was in Pembroke campus uh, my freshman year, which was the original ladies college next door to Brown. But um, mm-hmm. at that point, I think Brown had been uh, graduating a few generations of women. I graduated in two thousand nine, uh, oh, okay. but my goodness, things have accelerated only more and more exponentially since you started studying this art and the science Mm -hmm. of productivity and focus, really creating focus. I wonder if your work, and and we're going to get into the five stages and I want to unpack each of them. So we must keep time for that. But I do wonder how your work has changed over time, if it has over the dot-com boom era or 
the social media rise in the past two decades where I feel like if you don't take charge of your your phone summoning you, you're going to be bombarded by alerts and uh, your focus and attention will be called upon by our digital devices a uh, hundred times a day, if not more. H- has your work had to adjust to that or was it sort no. of a byproduct of it? it, it, it the, the, the number of people I needed to communicate this to mm. increased mm-hmm. dramatically. Yeah. See, back in the early 80s when I was beginning to formulate this stuff, it was only the, the fast-track, high-level professionals that were really attracted to this and interested in it because they, they, they were the people who, who knew. It's a fascinating paradox, Emily, that the, the people most attracted to this are the people who need it the least. Hmm. They're already the most productive, organized, uh, aspirational, positively focused, future-focused people you'd ever meet. The, but, but, so they already know the value of system. They already know that if they had more space, they could create more value because they've already done a lot of that. They're just up to their neck. They, they have no more room. So those are the people that are the most attracted, essentially, to, to this. Although it, it's, we're teaching now 9 and 10 and 11-year-olds this because they go, oh, wow, empty your pack at the end of the week. So mom gets the note that she needs to sign. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what a concept. Well, let's, so, let's walk. But, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so anyway, back to your. I was going to say. What's changed? Yes, the yes, methodology yes. has not changed one bit, nor will it change. When we fly to Jupiter in 2090, you still need an end basket to capture things that have your attention about the ship. You still need to decide the next action that needs to happen to fix it or resolve it or clarify it. You still need to then organize some reminders of that to the right you know, system or people that need to keep track of that. You still need to review and reflect on that so you make sure nothing falls through the cracks and that it moves forward appropriately. So these five steps of capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage that we will talk about in more detail probably is that is, is true, has been true ever since you've been busy and will be forever. Yeah. So this is a universal stuff. I, I didn't make it up. I just uncovered it. I just uncovered it yeah. and made it much more objective so people could do it with much more elegance and ease. And you made it very uh, approachable, I would say, in your book. And I want to start with that first stage of capture, because this was very helpful, I think, for any professional, including myself, who has an overflowing inbox now, digitally, of course, not so much in person. But what is the first step of the five fundamentals um, to bring order to chaos, starting with capture? What does that really look like in practice? (laughs) It looks like some very high-tech stuff called pen and paper. (laughs) No, no Wi-Fi required, no battery required. And basically, if I were to walk in and coach you or anybody, the first thing we're going to do is say, let's get a big pile of paper and anything that's got your attention, little, big, personal, professional, does not matter. Whatever's on your mind, we're going to grab a note about that. Oh, I need to fix that window. Oh, I need cat food. Oh, I need to hire a vice president. Should we get divorced? You know, <laughs> should, we, should we adopt or not? We just, we're going to write all that down on separate pieces of paper. We're going to capture each thing that has your attention because if it has your attention in that regard, that means you're not yet appropriately engaged with that commitment with yourself. So what we're going to do is start to start to create uh, an inventory of the potential commitments you have. You may not decide what you want to do about divorce or fix the tooth or get a vice president or not, but you need to capture that idea. So the capture step is much like taking notes in a meeting. You know, if you ever took notes in a meeting, that's the capture thing. 
You're just taking notes. You don't know exactly what you're going to do with all those notes yet, nor should you have to force that executive decision while you're getting the input. So very, capture is very different than organize. Capture just means, let me just grab all the possible things that I might need to consider at some point or make a decision about. And that's a very different process. If you're trying to be organized in order to capture, you won't do it. Right. It's sort of like a, a mindfulness exercise of judgment-free capturing. <laughs> Not like, okay, yeah, exactly. I can only acknowledge yeah. the things in my brain that are bouncing around that are already right and already figured out. That. That is not what you're saying. Eh, Wrong answer. Absolutely. (laughs) There is some relief in doing this, is there not? It's just like this mental dropping your baggage at the door kind of feeling. Well, it'll create two feelings, grief and relief. Mm. You know, so the the grief comes from, oh, my God, look at all these agreements with myself I haven't kept. The relief comes from, oh, my God, I couldn't do all those right now. I'm just going to do this. So the problem is, is people are trying to use their brain as a remember, remind, you know, thing. And your brain is just a crappy office. <laughs> and that's the biggest problem most people have. Is they're trying to use their mind mm. to manage relationships, mm. to prioritize, to remember, to remind, make sense out of all the complexity and chaos that they're actually engaged in. And wrong choice. Your brain did not evolve to do that. It evolved to do very cool stuff which is to use long-term memory and pattern recognition to go, oh, there's a tiger. Oh, that's a light. Oh, that's a computer. Oh, that's a person. As opposed to vibrations of light and sound. So your brain does stuff that your computer can't even start to do yet. And yet you go to this, you, you go to the store for lemons, you come back with six things, but no lemons. Oh my God, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's too <laughs> right? relatable. You, you try, you, yeah. You try to use your brain as your office. And it, so the whole uh, 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 fundamental aspect of the methodology I uncovered was to externalize everything. That has your attention. And in one centralized location, right? Whether it's a notebook well, or a something. You can't, yeah, well, you can't just have one. You have as many input. You've got your physical mailbox. You have your however many email inboxes you have. And you and then your physical inbox that I've got looking at on my desk right now. So you have as many things. You want as few as you can get by with, but you need as many as you need given the different media mm. stuff is coming into you on. Right. That's fair. If it doesn't go to the inbox of whatever inbox we're talking about, it doesn't get captured. It floats off into space. Like the fact that... Well, no, it doesn't. It'd be nice if it floated off into space. What it does is it it sublimates inside your consciousness and it wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning (laughs) with stuff you can't do spit about. Right. I just had that like panicky feeling of, oh, shoot, nobody ordered the dog's (laughs) heart guard medication again. And we've had this conversation three times in two months and it's captured nowhere. As soon as the dog's heart guard pops into anybody's head more than once, you are inappropriately engaged with your dog. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. I don't need to tell you anymore. <laughs> You're inappropriately engaged with your dog. Do you want appropriate engagement? What's the next action in making sure that he or she gets it? Right. I mean, I told the husband. If you haven't to do decided it. that, you haven't finished right. your thinking. You right. haven't finished your thinking. You're not. You're not appropriately engaged. By the way, what's the final outcome? Is the, What's the thing that you, why are you doing all the that? Because dog, the dog's health, yeah. Right. So get get dog's heart on cruise control, whatever that means. Right. That's a project. Right. And have you written that down? Anyway? No, have not. Then why not? Right. See, now your brain is trying to keep track of not only that but, and hasn't finished the thinking about what the next step is. Welcome to ambient anxiety. Yes, that's a good word for it. That is exactly what it feels like. And it's a good reminder that professionally or personally, it doesn't really matter. You can have ambient anxiety from a tiny project or a huge project or the most important project. The funny thing about it is if if you have it appropriately engaged with it, almost each one of those takes up equal real estate in your cognitive mind. 
you'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning. Oh, damn, dog food. Right. Or, oh, damn, I got to hire the VP or, oh, gosh, whatever. When you can't do anything about it. Right. Your mind doesn't, your mind doesn't have one. If it did, it would only remind you of stuff when you could do something about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So when it does come up, the job is to capture it and write it down like I just did in my planner yeah. <laughs> and said, get the but, damn but hard card. In your planner, where in your planner? Because that's going to come to step two and three. Okay, well, let's talk about step two and three. Clarify and organize. Talk to me about what that looks like. What did you write down? I wrote heart guard in my right. planner. Order it. Okay, so, so clarify. Mm-hmm. What's, the, you know, what's the next step? I mean, the challenge here is, oh, man, first of all, I feel like I've just outed myself. Well, wait, 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 wait. No, no. Okay. If we're going to walk through this, yeah. what's the where? If you had nothing else to do but that, I'm going to pay you a million dollars to move the needle <laughs> okay, on this. Okay, okay. Where, where would you go and what would you do next? I truly what don't know how that? to order it. That's the thing. My husband orders it. Ah, how would you find out? So I, I've asked him. I, I thought I was just delegating. This was me saying, can you remember to do this? And Because I, I don't know how to do it. And how would you do that? Um, I verbally told the husband a few times now. So maybe texting or emailing or asking you him decide. where. That's not my decision. Right. That's yours. What would you need to do next? I'm going to pay you a million dollars to move the needle oh, on this. God, okay. And if you haven't decided exactly what to do next, right. then you haven't, moved the, you haven't moved the needle. Well, then you haven't finished yeah. your thinking. Well, thinking. I think I need it to be done. So at this point, I'm just going to do it. So I'm going to ask Brad via text, where do I order the heart guard? Like, where do you do this? Because well, that, no, that's that's not doing it. That's asking somebody something, right. which is a, a doing thing itself. And how would you do that? Would you send him an email? Well, I'm going to text him right now because he's up in Aspen. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> then what? And then he's going to get back to me, and then I'm going to order it. It's going to be great. Yeah, but then you have. How do you know he's going to get back to you? Um, because I'm going to call him later if he doesn't. How about a list called "Waiting for"? Okay. You read my book. I did. It's been a little while, if you can't tell. But yes, waiting for. Okay. Not in the... I can't act on it, is, is what I'm sort of saying Yeah. at the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. I, got, I got tons of things on my waiting for list. I'm waiting for stuff to come back to me before we can, before I can move forward on it. But I've got... I know exactly what I'm waiting for, and at least once a week. It's called a weekly review, mm. which you're probably not doing. Otherwise, you wouldn't have these questions. Right. Right. So weekly, I look at all the stuff that's open loops, all the things I'm waiting for. Do I need to push a needle? Or do I need to, you know, do I need to light a fire, kick butt, or do something about the things I'm waiting for? Mm, I love that. And it- otherwise, otherwise, believe it or not, Emily. Otherwise, some part of you says, "Now you've sent the text. Oh, is he going to get back to me? What if he doesn't get back to me? What if he gets back to me? Because you haven't parked a reminder of that right. reminder in an appropriate place that you trust you'll see at the right time. Right. It's like okay, so recurring habitual, this is the time when I review my waiting for list. That makes it it's time so to review much. all of them. Yeah. In your calendar, your projects, everything you're waiting for, all the open loops. So the, the question is, once we get it out on our, on our page, right, once we've captured everything that's going on, is it actionable right now? Can I do something about it right now? If so, do it. And then if not, put it in my waiting for list. Is that the analysis? Well, or keep an inventory. See, if you say it is actionable, mm-hmm. first of all, can it be done in two minutes or less? If so, do it. Right. right. If not, what you want to do is get to the bottom of all of those things before you start allocating chunks of time to doing something because you might be missing something more important. Mm. 
Mm. So you, so the two minute rule just says, look, once I've decided what the next step is, if I can do that in two minutes, in other words, if you could text your, your, your hubby in a couple of minutes, yeah, sure. So go ahead and do that. But then you need to keep track of, okay, now, uh, now what do I keep track of? If it's something you needed to do, probably not the dog stuff, but something else you say, look, I need to do it. Then the question is, should you be the one doing it? If not delegate. And that may be what you just did. And if not, you're the one who's got to do whatever this thing is, the next step. And it takes longer than two minutes and you can't hand it off to anybody else. That's then what you need to park in your action list, which is your inventory of stuff to do in and around everything else you have to do. Here are all the errands I need to run. Here's all the stuff I need to talk to my wife about. Here's all the stuff that I need to do while I'm at home. Here's all the stuff you know, that I need to uh, craft on my computer. Etc. And so then just organizing some sort of a category of reminders of the actions you need to take, you know, that you haven't done yet. And most people have between 150 and 200 of those, by the way. That is not surprising, but also it feels overwhelming at that level. Is it not? Well, I'm sorry. Don't get mad at me for your list. Those are yours. <laughs> fair. Fair enough. Yeah. How does this organized step look for you? I just have lists. I have my list on my computer, but I had lists in a, you know, in a paper planner for 20 years. So it doesn't matter. Wherever you manage lists, it doesn't matter. Where as long as you have the list available to you and they're accessible to you and you, they're easy to review and fun to work with, then, you know, any kind of list manager works. Right. Okay. Digital, or, digital or paper, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think that that is interesting. I do feel like for a lot of the women in our community, one of the biggest challenges, and I, I've talked to quite a few different productivity experts about this is, and I've gotten a different answer from everyone, so I'm curious to hear what you think, is the projects and or tasks that involve collaboration with family members, like this this collaboration with my husband about the dog medication, or whether it's, you know, the kids' soccer practice on Saturday. That's where things seem to get especially messy, is a lack of clarity around shared responsibilities. Is this, is this strictly for personal productivity if you own it? No, it's not for anything. Okay. See, your boss and their assistant, I mean, you and your boss or you and your partner or whatever. Like, what's next? How about communicate, decide, that yours, that mine? Pretty, you know, this ain't rocket science, right. unless, of course, you're in a rocket. You know, <laughs> but, but come on, there's no difference. And anybody tries to make a distinction about this, I uncovered how you get your head clear about anything you have any commitment about. I don't care where you are, who you are, how small or big it is. Those things will take up a lot more cognitive real estate that is then not available for intuitive, strategic, creative thinking. Right. And I think part of what can cloud that process is a lack of clarifying whose this is. Like if we yeah, don't decide. Oh, absolutely. Right? But guess what? Gee, dear, you going to handle this or me? <laughs> Right. That has to happen. Right. Yeah. And I think that's that's key in terms of not just clarifying the process and the next steps, but who's owning the next steps and where well, you're going to. By the way, you just clarifying what the next step is mm -hmm. and whether that's a waiting for or not, just force the issue. If your husband says, I don't do those kind of things. Well, now what's the next step? I got a, now you got a, a conversation. But now right. at least you have clarity right, and, right. And, a, and a current reality. To deal with as opposed to vague, I don't know, baby, you need the dog or I do the dog. Oh my God. No. Right. There's a commitment. I mean, you've used the word commitment a few times now. 
And I hear that a lot in this process, which is we have to make tough choices, tough trade-offs, really, but, you know, amongst our limited no, time and energy. Yes? You, you don't. You can just let life come at you and then deal with latest and loudest, which, by the way, will require decision-making, mm. <laughs> whatever. So you, you can't get rid of choice-making. Right. You know, should I go pee now or not? You know, come on. You, you, we're making choices all the time. You made a lot of choices. How many things are you not doing talking to me right now? Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You had to make that choice. So you, you can't get rid of the choice process. No. Right. You just want to be make trusted choices, not I hope for choices. Right. And sort of like not by default of loudest uh, and largest and, and sort of whatever's flying at and, you. Unless that's the zen of your game. Mm. Let me just be driven by, you know, the, 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 the forces that be and the voices I hear inside my head, you know, until you, you know, I, I did that once and they put me away in a mental institution. So, you know, I would suggest you try that if you want. At least once, <laughs> <Not>. right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, you can, I have no judgment. Yeah. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not telling anybody what they should do or shouldn't do. I'm not telling anybody what the content is they need to deal with. That's up to you. What my job was, or what my job is, is look, I defined, I uncovered and discovered a game and objectified it about how you get your head clear so you can become appropriately engaged with all the commitments in your life so you can be present when you cook spaghetti or watch your girl play soccer and not be on your iPhone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the end goal is for me, presence. It is. Yeah. I think for a lot of us it is. And I think. Well, you're most productive and you're most creative. And most people love to be creative, strategic, innovative, and loving and present. Mm. <laughs> Those don't take time. They require space. Mm. Talk to me about the difference between time and space in that in that context. Because I've seen you say that a few times. And it's it just well, feels counterintuitive. How, how much time does it take to have a good idea? Oh, Yeah. Who knows, right? How much time does it take, take to be creative? How much time does it take to be loving and present mm. with whatever it is you're doing? How much time does that take? That does not require time, and yet most people consider those golden goodies in their life. They don't require time, but they do require room. If you're still wrapped around an interview that went south you know, this morning, it's very hard for you to be present with me, right? So like, what's keeping you from being present? That's what I uncovered. And you can drink and meditate. I do both. And they'll, they'll, you know, they both produce different kind of results. One numbs your brain and one leaves your brain, you know, and, and that's fine. But it doesn't handle what's in your brain. Right. <laughs> and for the most part, most people live a lot in their brain. As a matter of fact, they're letting their mind run them. And your mind is a fabulous servant and it's an absolutely terrible master. A fabulous servant and a terrible master. So what you're yeah. saying is... To provide mastery for your brain to serve you best, yes. Correct, correct. Mm-hmm. Well, you've heard of emotional intelligence. I'm just, I just uncovered mental intelligence. Mental intelligence. Why do you have that thought? By the way, if you ever changed your mind, Emily, who did that? Right. Huh. Right. Hmm. This is interesting. I mean, it sounds like this sort of pursuit of self mastery, which is so, like. So I, I think indicative of your following is this pursuit of self-mastery through this discipline of creating a system, right? We've covered capturing, clarifying, and organizing. Um, 
and I want to talk about reflecting and engaging as well, but you know, you've said yourself that you've at times just gone where the wind takes you. Is there a a breaking point or a point of diminishing returns around the mastery, the self-mastery and the discipline? Is there a space for more I don't know, like flexibility and It's all that, that's that's why I that's why I created all this. I am, if you hang out with me, you're going to see one of the most spontaneous, follow my intuitive hunches kind of guys yeah. you'd ever meet. Okay. Most people are quite surprised when they sort of run across those of us who do this. They go, God, we thought you'd be buttoned down, anal retentive. You know, <laughs> rigid. You know, There's a rigidity yeah, to this rigid. feeling. And I think yeah. a lot of women in our community feel like they have to choose between those two, either to be spontaneous and fun loving and fly by the seat of our pants or rigid and disciplined and organized. And I, I do want to understand more how those are not two different options, but they can, in fact, be one and the same. Well, there was a French novelist, uh, uh, Flaubert, mm. uh, and he had a wonderful f- phrase that I wish I'd said, it, but he said it better than me. He said, um, you need to be ordered and structured in your life so you can be creative and spontaneous in your work. Oh, yes, that feels true. Ordered and structured in your life so you can be creative and spontaneous in your work. Yeah, so I like to get crazy. You know, you and anybody (laughs) listening to this are going to be the most creative in the kitchen uh, when you have the freedom to make a mess. Right. But if your kitchen is a mess, you can't make one. Mm, it's like the clean drawer principle that you talk about, right? Yeah. Well, when in doubt, clean your drawer. But the, the whole <laughs> idea is is you need you need to make sure that your life is as clean as it can be so that you can then just go make a friggin' mess. Yes. Because that's that's where your creativity creativity is gonna be unlocked. That's where the muse will show up and mm. go, Oh my god, here's a here's a here's a place for me, you know, to to talk to this lady about this thing <laughs> while she's walking in the park because she has nothing on her mind except, oh my God, the poem, that's it. Oh my God, right. the news is fickle. So you better be ready. Mm-hmm. And to, ready to capture it as well. It's almost So like- when I'm not doing anything else, I'm cleaning up mm-hmm. because there's a surprise coming toward me I can't see. And when that hits, I want the backlog to be as absolutely minimal as possible. Right. You need because a- that gives me the freedom to then assess uh, what, what just showed up and make a much better intuitive strategic decision about what to do about that, if anything. Mm. See, the bigger backlog, anybody got more than a screen full of emails right now who's listening to this, when any new thing comes in, it's going to bother you because you don't know what's sitting in all that stuff. Right. And you don't know how to evaluate it against all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have a, you're, you're kind of reminding me of this idea of aiming for a blank canvas on a very regular basis. One of my... Um, principles in the household is clean kitchen at the end of every night so you can wake up the next day and look out and see the clean kitchen and be like, yes, I can tackle this day. Or for our team, uh, which is all remote, especially in the past year or so, is every Friday inbox zero. Like we all get to inbox zero on Fridays just to clear the decks because we need that to go into the next week feeling... And it's creative. not just a static, dumb process. Actually, while you're doing that, you're getting creative ideas. Yes. You're, it's, it's spinning thinking you hadn't been able to give yourself the freedom to think about before. It's going, oh, wow, that reminds me. I ought to... And so, you know, 
the review is not just looking back on static stuff. It's really lifting up your horizon to manage the forest instead of hugging the trees. And you will invariably, in the process of cleaning up, I wrote an article mm. a while ago about the, the Zen, clean up Zen. Mm. Uh, you know, sometimes, and I'll bet, I don't know anybody listening to this, but uh, there are times I just want to clean up. I just want to give me this messy kitchen and I just want to then relax and I, w- I don't want anybody to talk to me. I <laughs> yeah. want the world alone. I'm just going to hang out with myself and clean. I call and it I stress can- cleaning. It's like my f- number one coping mechanism <laughs> with uncertainty. But well, I don't think it's, not, yeah. it's not just coping. It, it's stimulating. Yeah. And it's actually kind of uh, physical, too. It's like pretty, pretty darn sure. physical. So there's something about yeah. that tactile brain to, you know, hand... And influencing your immediate surroundings in a positive way. It's very pleasing, I think, for those of us who don't make things with our hands to Mm -hmm. impact the world around us. So I just discovered how to clean up your head just like your kitchen. Yeah. That's all. I love that. I'm gonna I have to find that article and we'll link to it in the show notes. So you you touched upon stage four, step four of the five step process, which is reflecting, reviewing frequently, and then step five, engage. How do those two kind of fit into well, this if, broader... If you've done the first three, if you've captured, clarified, and organized, then you need to look at your errand list. You need to look at the stuff you need to talk to your husband about. You need to look at your calendar so that then when you decide what to do, it's a trusted choice. So it's you know it's pretty simple. Those last four, are the four and five, mm-hmm. it's what you do when you feel comfortable. Okay, let me look at my landscape right now. Okay, now let me go run this errand. Or let me look at my errand list and only do the one that I want to do right now as opposed to the other five or whatever. So it's stepping back and lifting up a little bit to have a little higher horizon to make it just a judgment call about the gestalt of, you know, all your stuff. Yeah. It does seem like it gets easier as you go. Like there's a a front loaded nature to all of this. Um, But yeah, but trust me, (laughs) you know, uh, this is one of the biggest habits that most people who get my methodology have the trouble doing is weekly cleaning up and catching up and doing that kind of what we call the weekly review, which is probably the most important operational thing. Once a week, you better catch up. Yeah, we have it. If we, you go past about seven or eight days, your brain loses. It, it kind of does a, a, a control alt delete. It kind of does a, <laughs> a dump out of all that. And and if you can catch things within the seven days, I mean, come on, you know, Emily, things are coming at you and me faster than we both can keep them all pristinely, you know, clarified and organized day to day, minute to minute. But once a week, you better catch up. Totally. You not, like let that backlog yeah. back up on you. I think there's a lot and, of... As a family, to do a family week review, man, that's incredible. Yeah. Hey, dear, what's going on in your next week or two that I need to know about? Totally. Like, Sunday, we have a Sunday how, ritual. How, how many... Yeah. Oh, cool. I love I, I love the personal Sunday ritual, and we have a, a as a team here at Boss Up. Fridays are literally called catch up days. <laughs> There's like a no meeting rule, and we have a lot of boundaries put up with our clients so that we can tidy up and clean house. And I think it took me many decades to just acknowledge the reality that that takes a lot of time and dedicated effort, and it is so worth it. You know, it yeah, doesn't actually no feel very productive to tidy up and to um, catch up. Oh, come on. It does. I don't know. I feel. Come I used to feel guilty about it. Like, oh, I should be driving this project forward. After the fact. But while you were doing it, you had fun. Oh, definitely. And you, and you were on. You were in your zone. <laughs> yeah, there is something very zen about it. 
Um, but it is different than driving forward. It's not looking backwards. It's evaluating so that you can project accurately. Well, and there's value we've in that. never walked anybody through a real weekly review and they didn't automatically know their uh, and shift the change of their priorities for the next two weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good point. All right. Last question. You hard, you, what you do is you hardwire your intuitive intelligence by doing that. You hardwire. You don't have time to think, Emily. You don't have time to think. You need to have already thought. Hardwire your intuitive intelligence. What does that mean? You lost me there. It means you don't have time to think when decisions come at you. Right. An email you need yes. to respond to. Yes. Whatever. You don't have time to think about your purpose and your vision and your strategies. And you don't have time to think. You need to trust that your intuitive judgment in that moment is a most correct judgment about what you need to do and how important that was. But you can't do that if you have not done some regular catch-up and review of your larger game. Right. And I think that is creating time to think, right? That is creating the boundaries we need to not just be doing, 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 driving, driving, driving. There, There is this like dopamine hit, the merit badge, checkbox slaying, to-do list crushing kind of energy that I think a lot of us get from checking things off the list but catch-up days feel different. They feel like bigger picture, zooming out, looking at the, you know, raising your horizon, to use your term. It gives you the longer view. And I think the new year is a time to do that, specifically. And if you're not, and if you're not sleeping at least seven to nine hours a night and taking a nap in the afternoon, <laughs> then your cognitive function is, is going to be suboptimal, we know now. So, yes, all of that. So uh, <laughs> year, year end, year start, let's do a, just a, a few uh, paragraph on that. We've gone past, yeah. I think, our, our time. I, we have, yeah. I could, I, I've whatever. dropped into a philosophical uh, uh, pit with you, but delightfully so. What is one thing yeah. you want people to take away from your work as they s- refresh themselves for the new year? First thing is no New Year's resolutions. Nice. Why? Right. Oh, come on. Nobody <laughs> keeps them anyway. You know, they, they, they come out of your, your, you know, that, that sort of inspirational thing, but then, you know, Monday hits and it's like, oh my God, you know, and whatever. Now I'm not saying don't have some, some aspirations about things you might want to change or things you might want to create or things you might want to do. Let me tell you what my wife and I do because yeah. it works for us and has for years. First thing we do is on January 1st or December 31st or whenever we sit down and together we take about 30 minutes and we say, what have we completed, finished, and experienced in the last 12 months mm. that we should acknowledge? And we make a list of all that. Wow, we got, we, we, we got our puppy then. Uh, wow, I had this problem with my foot that got fixed. Wow, we just started to learn uh, Dutch. Uh, wow, we just got a new distributor in whatever. Uh, we just went to uh, Tel Aviv. So we just capture any and all of that. No, no, no organization, no anything other than let's just make, let's just do a brain dump of all the things we finished. Cause most people have a subtle incompletion because they just haven't acknowledged how many things they've actually done. Including, you know, including some of the hard stuff, right? I think there's so much hard, hard stuff that we've all gone yeah, through all this it. past year. Yeah. Okay. All, all of it. Any of it. Okay. You know, we capture all of those things. And then we turn around and say, we take a next 20 or 30 minutes and say, what would we like to have on that list by the end of next year? Mm. We should do a quick little informal, wow, be really nice if we had this kind of asset or be really nice if that thing got finished or handled or changed or whatever. And we just make that list. And we barely even look at either of those after we do that. But it's a great process. 
to get both completion, uh, uh, to, to close up loops in a subtle way. You know, journaling can do the same thing. You know, there are a lot of processes that can help you externalize stuff and acknowledge and whatever and kind of move on and not let the spin happen at more subtle levels mm-hmm. inside of yourself. Mm-hmm. So, but that's a very practical and very easy one to do. I love fun it. To do. I think it's almost you know, like it's it, it, it implies or acknowledges our need for closure as humans before we can open Absolutely. that next chapter. I love that. Yeah. And then just an informal thing called what would we like to have true next year? Right. And any other thinking about that that you might like to do, whatever might show up as New Year's resolutions. But I'm, I don't know that there's any New Year's resolution I ever kept. Mm-hmm. You know, so don't bother. Right. You know, I say you're best off cleaning up. You know, I suggest most people at the end of the year, you just do a big cleanup. Yes. And then naturally, like a helium balloon, inspiration about where you're going is going to make it much easier to do. So I suggest people do a whole lot more cleanup than create in terms of the end of the year yeah. and new year. I love that. Clean the basement, clean the attic, you know, clean your files, redo all that, catch up. Absolutely. I, I think that is that is a brilliant way to think about clearing the decks for the new year, setting a fresh well, if tone. You try, if, you, if, you, if you try to put new things in front of you and you still need to clean the toilet and your day-to-day is still out of control, good luck. You're just going to create mm-hmm. guilt and frustration. Mm-hmm. You know, give yourself a break. You deserve cleaning up and giving yourself lots of free space internally. Free space. That's the that's the goal, I think, for the new year. Mm-hmm. David Allen, thank you for spending some of your time and sharing some of your wisdom and experience with all of us here at Bossed Up today. Where can my listeners learn more about getting things done? Just go to gettingthingsdone.com. Perfect. And you'll see lots of stuff. Wherever they are or wherever anybody listening to this is in the world, you'll see, if you look under, if you click on training and coaching, you'll see a place that you could, if you want to do a deeper dive into any of this, taking any public seminars that our licensed, you know, trainers and coaches are doing awesome. you know, around the world. We're in 90 countries now and Damn. You know, have That's amazing. You know, lots of stuff, lots of stuff going on. In the U.S., if you're in the U.S., Vital Smarts, great partner we have, who's our exclusive um, distributor and, and a producer of our you know, public seminars. And they're doing virtual versions of that right now. So if anybody wanted to do a little deeper dive or exploration into this, just go to vitalsmarts.com and you'd, you'd see that. Or go to our website, you'll see a connection to any of that. You'll see lots of stuff. If you wanted to just go to YouTube, you know, the GTD David Allen channel, you got, you know, tons of <laughs> my interviews I've done, TEDx's I've done, et cetera. Awesome. So that'll give you, you know, lots of different, different windows into whatever this is. Plenty of places to start. I will drop links to all of those resources in my show notes today. Thank you so much again for joining me in this little journey here. I appreciate it. <laughs> my pleasure, Emily. Thanks for the invitation. It was fun. Good work. To get links to everything David and I talked about in this interview, head to bossedup.org slash episode 298. That's bossedup.org slash episode 298. And now it's time for today's boss move of the week. Today, I want to give a hearty shout out to Erica, a member of Hired, our job search accelerator, who recently was on the receiving end of not one, but two very exciting job offers. And here's what Erica wrote to me and her fellow cohort members of Hired just the other week. Hey, guys, I wanted to update you that I did get an offer this morning from... 
the name of the organization. Turns out they want to hire me at a more senior level because the person I'd be reporting to in the original position I applied to is actually going to be leaving in the spring. And they were so impressed by me that they want me to take on that role, starting as an associate director. And then if things go well, transition into the director role. I'm super excited. There's lots to think about. And I just wanted to thank you all for your support and advice in this process. I literally couldn't have done it without y'all. Yay! Erica, I am so proud of you and all the hard work you put into the Hired Job Search Accelerator that landed you not one but two great job offers within the three-month period of working together. So if you or someone you know and love is ready to accelerate their journey to landing their next best possible position, head to bossedup.org slash get hired to learn more about our three-month job search accelerator. You can work with me and our job search coaches, Jacqueline, Yanil, and Emma to make 2021 the year you land your best job yet. Okay, y'all, now I want to hear from you. What do you think about our conversation in today's very interesting interview uh, with David Allen? Have you read Getting Things Done yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Snag a copy of GTD and become a GTDer uh, like me and so many millions of others who have learned from David Allen's wisdom and expertise and coaching over the years. I'd love to hear your thoughts, your questions, your comments online. Tag me at Emily Aries or at Bostup.org and head to Bostup.org slash episode 298 and weigh in in the comments section in today's corresponding blog post. That's a great place to continue the conversation as well. Until next time, y'all, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose. Break down those goals. Make them manageable. Make it happen. Let's get things done this year and let's get things done together. 